This show is brought to you by Made by Super. Hiring a design studio is more necessary than you think. Your brand is important, and how it's represented shouldn't be phoned in. Whether it's your logo, website, messaging, online ads, environment, graphic design, or social media, you need professionals, thinkers, advocates for your brand, people that will make you look good. It will make a difference. Trust me. Go to madebysuper.com and hire great designers to get to work for you on your brand. Also brought to you by Age Old Trade Design, LA's premier hospitality design firm. Welcome to Acting Real with Kat Foster, where I talk with talented, seasoned, professional actors about how they use what they've learned from acting in their real everyday lives. If you have been listening to the show and you like it and you're moved by it and it's helped you and it resonates with you, subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a good review. It means so, so much. And more importantly, it helps other humans find the show. Thanks. Hey, you guys. Today I speak with actor, writer, and producer Michaela Watkins. I am a huge fan of Michaela Watkins. I think she's an amazing actress, and she is just such a grounded and wise person, and we are so fortunate to have her here on the show. Um, We talk a lot about how some of the early disappointments she had in her career um, have shaped where her career is right now and how she really couldn't have done without those early disappointments. Um, and you know, like all of us, Michaela has had to do some real consciousness expanding stuff to reap the rewards of, and even come to appreciate those, um, harder formative experiences. So if you want to hear from somebody who has such a wide, uh, career that has expanded so much, through so many years, um, who knows a lot about a lot, then this is your episode. Uh, you likely recognize Michaela as the star of the series Casual, so good on Hulu, but also she's been on a billion things, Transparent, Wet Hot American Summer, Enlightened, Trophy Wife, The New Adventures of Old Christine, Catastrophe, The Coral Show, Key and Peele, Another Period, Drunk History, to name a few. Also movies, Britney Runs a Marathon, Enough Said, Afternoon Delight, In a World, and so much more. Upcoming, you can see Michaela in the film Judy Small and on TV in the comedy The Unicorn, coming to CBS this fall. Enjoy, guys. It is a skeleton, and you have to discover where the bones go. What I need for my life, I am drawn to create the play. Can we talk about rejection? Yeah, do you want to talk about rejection? Let's just jump in. Welcome. to rejection. Yes, please let's talk about rejection. That's (laughs) something that I really love to talk about on this podcast. Mm -hmm. You know what's funny? Tell me. Before I came here, I was thinking about, I got your email with a series of questions. You're like, look at it or don't. Yeah. And I looked at the first few. Yeah. Because I like to sort of feel fresh and whatever you want to ask me, I'm a pretty open book. So I'll probably give you more information than you kind of want, but it's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) But I was thinking there was one question on there that said something like, was there a rejection or a something that you wish had gone better or or what, knowing what you know now, was it like sort of a knowing what you know now, what do you reflect on as it was one of those kind of questions. And, um, I was thinking about how, I was walking my dog this morning, thinking about how so much of my 
success right now that I'm experiencing is completely and totally and utterly hinged and connected in a way that it's not just um, lucky that I had the opportunity to have so many terrible jobs and things like that, but how necessary and what a requirement it was in order to have any modicum of success right That's now. That's so exciting. Let's that, talk about it. Okay, so like I, I feel like, you know, when you're starting out or when you're – um, not even just starting out. Let's just say you get to the point where you now have a commercial agent and you're going out on a commercial. But also business. in any career. Yeah. Like, so what is that? You're at the starting level. When you're at the starting level and you feel like you can see people who are doing what you want to do mm-hmm. and that feels so far away from your reality mm-hmm. and all you feel is like questions, am I in the right business? Um, will I ever be successful? Am I good enough? Am I, um, do I have what it takes? All those things. It's like, if you don't um, go through those paces mm-hmm. of, of working for free and um, working with people who kind of are uh, not, not your favorite, like, mm-hmm. or, or the most talented or the most adept, or, you know, doing or the uncool projects, doing the uncool projects and doing things that maybe even afterwards you go, did I that go against the grain of my moral compass? <laughs> sure. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Yeah. You know, if you don't have those, if you don't have a place where you also, I had the groundlings, which was a, which you're still, are you still an active performer there? I'm not an active not member. I'm a, question. no, it's, it's a okay. I'm a, question, right? it's not a dumb question okay. at all. Okay. I do perform there, but oh, I'm an alum. Casually. I'm yeah, an right. alum. Okay. So, so you're like a special guest and you, I'll come on as a yeah, special exactly. guest or alum, you know, sure. I mean, it was my theatrical home for, Many, many Which years. is a big fucking deal for anyone who's listening who doesn't know. <laughs> like it's a bit it's not casual that you get to be in the main company of the groundlings. That's not like a casual undertaking. No, I mean and that's that, like years of, of classes or it's years well, of classes and then it's and so very, much work. It's very competitive. It's very it's competitive. They work. they kick people out after years yeah, and years. They vote bo- you out. I mean you, out. you want to talk survivor. about rejection. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's the rejection of that because it feels like it's by your peers, you know? Yeah. Um but it's it's um, it 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 was a place where I had every single emotion a person can have mm-hmm. around the business of what we do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would often feel like I wasn't um, the funniest or the most talented or mm-hmm. the best looking or the person who's going to have the manager or agent come to the show and mm-hmm. see them and be like, "You, I must have you." And all you know, you run the gamut. Lauren Michaels is in the audience. Ah, wow. you know, um, yeah. I have one shitty sketch in t- this week, and yeah, you know, and you if just he came, feel if like he just it. came last uh, week, and I had ten really awesome sketches, yeah. you know, um, or. Um, or, you know, just even before you're even in the performing part aspect of it, when you're just taking classes and you're just spinning your wheels, I just think about all the time about how that was my becoming. Like, all of that was my becoming. Mm-hmm. I could not, if if I stepped out of theater school and got the jobs I got right now, I would, how much I would suck mm-hmm. and, and how bad my confidence would be in the toilet and how, how, what a, what a bad range I would have. Yeah, because what have, were the skills that you learned at the Groundlings? I learned my voice, beyond, my, I mean. my comedic voice. Yeah. My, I learned um, where, where um, sort of, I learned to stretch myself, you know? Right. I learned um, 
that when things are hard, it's not the end of the world. It's actually good. I know that when I feel the worst about myself, my best idea is coming. Yeah, in yeah, like yeah. That that when I'm hitting rock bottom, when I'm hit, when I'm feeling absolutely decimated, like I am a dried up stump who has executed every last good idea yeah. I've ever had, and that my best ideas are behind me, and my best sketches and improvs and moments are all behind me, and now everything I do will just be derivative and crappy. Yeah. When I feel that way, I'm like, oh, this is good. Now you recognize that this is yes. good. Yes. Because, because you've had enough experiences right. that have led you to that understanding. I Yes. But can I you talk about that process a little bit, like going from feeling like, like, what is that feeling where you're a dried up stump? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you disappointed? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it manifests in everybody so differently. For me, it's um, it's kind of like a collection of the worst judgy voices of anybody you've ever known. It mm-hmm. could be an ex-boyfriend. It could be a teacher. It could be, a you know, a friend uh, who just, you know, you guys went separate ways. It could be a parent. It could be, you know, someone who said, are you sure you want to do this? It and could what be, are they saying? Like, you're a loser? It's like all. It's like a conglomeration of all of those voices. And I think the echoing sentiment is, you're not enough. Like, right. you're, excuse me, let me just burp on you're not Please. enough. Um, <laughs> or, um, like, you're you're not special enough Mm -hmm. or you're not interesting enough. You're not pretty enough. And are you thinking about all of the people who are obviously pretty enough and special enough? And like, like, is there a comparison? Well, yeah. I mean, luckily. Okay. So there is a comparison, but only in the way of like, you have people that you are just sort of like, like them, for example, like they got it going on. I'm not luckily. And this has been to my, benefit that I'm not somebody who has ever disliked or begrudged anybody because they were more talented or more intelligent or prettier. I've just only aspired. That's amazing. So now where do you think you picked up that unique skill? Um, like were your parents very supportive of you? Not loving? particularly, but um, <laughs> but they weren't. My mom was not unsupportive. They're just they just skew negative. You but know? do you can but, but do you compare yourself like, so you don't begrudge people their success, but do you, like, do you say, like, they're they're better? How, like, how come they have that and I don't? No. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, well, I'm saying it's a bummer they have that and I don't. Right. How can I get what they have? Right. Well, how can I be more like You don't like hate that? them for having I don't hate them. Right. I don't. You use them as, like, or you, you see them as... In that in that way, sort of expansive, like they're showing yeah. you an option that you might not see for right. yourself. They're showing me a way of being, um, and you know, I'm not saying it's always a great feeling. Like, um, for example, my mom and I moved to Bo- a, re- a very wealthy suburb of Boston mm-hmm. from a crap ditch um, of Syracuse, New York. Sorry, how no old offense, were Syracuse. you? You know, you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Syracuse. <laughs> Um, I was 15, I was, okay. um, or 14 ish uh-huh. turning 15 and, um, starting school there. And we moved into an apartment, you know, and everybody lived in these beautiful mansions. Uh-huh. And I would say that was the first place where I, it wasn't the first place cause there's always middle school where you just, that's just a given. You just going to sure. feel like crap every day. Yeah. No matter what. 
Um, your best friend's going to dump you. You're not going to know why until ninth grade. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> but but it, this was the first time where I really walked around. You know, I had two after-school jobs, and yeah. I was, like, cleaning up at the, you know, coffee shop after the, yeah. the girls and boys in my class. And, and so, like... And did you feel shame? I felt a little shame, but then I felt pride. Because hmm. um, I was like, all right, you know. Like, I guess I just have to have a really great personality. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to have a dowry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so I, I guess I have to cultivate these other parts of my personality yeah. in a real way, you know? Yeah. And um, and so I just kind of went full bore into figuring out who I was, I guess. Yeah. Um, and um, so... Yeah. So I, 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 but, but where was I? Oh, you were just saying that it like gave you, like, you were like, it sort of bolstered your. Yeah. Like I found my people. I found my, um, I found my, um, island of misfit toys, you know, other other weirdos and, and we just sort of, you know, doubled down on our, what made us unique, you know, and instead of trying to fight. Instead of trying to fight something, I was never going to be. So when did you get to the Groundlings? In in, in L.A.? So that was a real, yeah. So then I went to college for okay. four years and had, you know, incredible, oh, God, incredible. Um, I, I just always stuck to Shakespeare, no matter what. I really, my, I walk weird. I have a strange voice. It sits very nasally. I was everything. I don't know why this school, I don't know why. I went to the conservatory at Boston University. Okay. I don't know why oh, they yeah, accepted you, me. Right. I don't know what they were thinking. Well, because obviously you're very talented. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I certainly wasn't then. I think they saw like a sparkle, yeah, but sure. I don't. I had no technique, and and the technique I was doing, I was just trying to be something I wasn't so badly. And what were you trying to be? I was trying to walk and talk like a like what like, cause like you a leading lady, be, oh, leading lady in and Shakespeare and use my standard. But you American could English. be. I mean, you you like like you look like a leading lady. By the way, you are a leading lady. Ah. Like, you literally <laughs> were just a leading lady. Uh, on a TV show. No, this is what I years. say about Shakespeare because this this gets you to this will get you me to we can we can fast forward. So I yeah. go to New York. Uh-huh. I you know after college I starved to death. I, I moved sure. to Portland, Oregon on a road trip, and I'm there and I'm doing theater. I'm doing a lot of theater. Are you doing Portland Shakes? I'm doing not. I'm doing um, Portland Center Stage, which is the sister company of, of um, Ash Ashland. Okay. So. Um, I, but I'm doing classical theater, which I was quote unquote trained to do, except that this is the thing about Shakespeare that nobody ever freaking talks about. And yeah. I wish they said this your freshman year of college yeah. and said, look, I know you think you want to do classical theater. Um, of course you do because you're from Syracuse and it's not like movies are coming. Now they are actually weirdly. Yeah. Movies are shooting in Syracuse. There was no nice. film set in uh-huh. Syracuse ever. If anything, there was like a local car ad. Yeah. That was yeah. it. So... The only thing we had access to was we had this really nice Lord Lord B theater um, called Syracuse Stage, and they had really quality productions there. So that to me was like that's making it. That's yeah, the thing. Right. That's um, that's what I want to do. And um, no regrets. I wasn't wrong about that. I love theater. I still love theater. Yeah. But I um, I I wish they just said, look, you know, I know you want a life in the theater. Here's the deal, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> in any given Shakespeare production, there's one. There's 16 parts. Right. 12 of those are for dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four are for women. Yeah. One is great. Yeah. One is so-so. Yeah. Two suck. Yeah. 
You're going to be like, two chorus. What news, my lord? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's it. And then yeah. you're going to sit backstage for two and a half. Hours. So what plays did you do? So, oh, I mean, I. I mean, did you play Rosalind? No, that's what I'm talking about. I didn't Never get the. Rosalind. I didn't get did the. Did you play the nurse? This part. Pro, yes. You, I, play, you played Amelia. I played like. Like I'll play Jessica and Merchant of Venice. Right, right, like, right, right. Um, what if, it's just right. You don't get to play Portia. No. But Jessica's a good part. Though. No, not the way I did it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very bad part. Yeah. Um, Maybe you played and, like Miranda. No, at that point you were probably too. No, you might have played in The Tempest. Um, n- no, okay, anyway, I, so you I, were I did, over Shakespeare. I did Winter's though. Tale. I did Perdita. By the way, I got not, so excited about that. No, I fun. sucked. I was really bad. But not. I don't believe you, actually, but that's fine. I mean, by the way, no one's here to tell us. Well, I'm here to tell anyone you. Anyone who's I was listening there. can write in if you saw <laughs> Michaela Watkins in a Shakespeare show. They'll be like, um, I'm sure everybody at BU is like, we look, we can't believe she's. We can't believe she's working either. No, I'm sure not. Um, it's funny that I just said Shakespeare show. A Shakespeare show. A Shakespeare show. Uh, <laughs> plays. They're not shows. Shakespeare didn't write shows. Do you he guys did. like shows? Do you like Shakespeare shows? Oh, yeah. I, I love a Shakespeare show. <laughs> you know, we're going to go do a Shakespeare show. What kind of do for a Shakespeare show? <laughs> um, so, okay, so you were yeah. there. That's after call. After BU, you were at uh, BU, right? Or no, Boston. BU, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And then... And then you came to L.A.? Then I road trip. Then I went to New York for a very ridiculous year of poverty and starvation. Well, that's the other thing they don't tell you when you want to be in a Shakespeare play. Like, 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 oh, yeah, you want to be a theater actor? you want to do Shakespeare shows? What that means (laughs) is that you were going to walk with $300 a week, Uh like, at the the most. Right. Um, Which, luckily, wasn't my, you know... At the time, that ignorance was bliss. Yeah, sure. Because well, because you're also getting to do Shakespeare. I mean, we like doing it. We you like know, we doing it. And no one becomes sounded... an actor for the money. Right. Well, some people do. Even I guess, getting but... paid three hundred sounded great. Yeah, like, like at the time, I would rather get paid three hundred dollars to do Shakespeare show. Yeah. Than paid five hundred thousand dollars to answer phones at a law firm. It, totally. So yeah, I was fine with that. That was the choice. Yeah, um, and I don't say that from a place of privilege. I didn't have any money. Yeah. I just learned how to live with none. Yeah, yeah. But I, um, but then you are like, no, actually, I think it turns out we need money. <laughs> wait, so wait, but can I ask you? So like, while I'm sorry, I'm just gonna jump all over uh-huh. while we're on the topic of money because uh-huh. I don't really want to forget it later. Have since you started earning money, uh-huh. which like presumably was around the time of your big break, which I don't know what that first thing was that uh, was like your biggest thing. I've had big things that didn't pay. Like I've had big things that were like high profile, but sure, didn't sure. Pay but like, what was like the first thing where you're like, oh, I'm making adult money? Uh, was my first series was okay. uh, about six years ago. I did Trophy Wife. Oh, that was your first thing just about six years ago. Yeah. I mean, I guess when I started doing guest stars and I was like, I'm getting paid what now? Right. But um, I, I guess say, my question is like, have you had in your career or in your life ups and downs? Mm-hmm. And w- when you're in a down, mm-hmm. how do you reframe your relationship with money or do you or like, do you get really scared? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Because if you've ever starved, like. Like I said, that year in New York, I mean, I didn't have help from parents or anything like that. Um, I am privileged in the way that if I really bottomed out and I really threw in the towel, I could go probably move back in with my parents and become a really 
you know, adorable <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I, but I mean, I, I think I, I had a bottom, you know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't going to be homeless. Like it wasn't like if I don't get this, right. if I don't do this temp job, I'm going to be homeless in the world. I would just be homeless in New York. Right. You know? Right. Um, so I, I always have, I guess I, I should acknowledge that I do have that safety net and the fact that like my, I have loving, healthy parents. Like, right. They're not dead or um, addicts, you know what I mean? Right. But this is also still quite a range. You're not saying, like, if I bottomed out, I could get my dad to pay my rent for a few oh, months. Oh, no, no, no. no. That's mean, never, that was never, Yeah, I mean, you're saying, be. like, if I bottom out, then I just have to go home, which it, is what a lot of people... If I bottom out before I even went home, I, it, the, the the understanding, I think, would be, is like, no, you you figure it out. Yeah, you have to get a job. You have to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. This is not, like, we're not... We don't have money to give you. My, yeah, they didn't have money to give me. Yeah. But but I guess what I mean is I would have had a roof. Yeah, I would sure. have had a bed. Which is significant yeah. and important. But then I would have worked at Wendy's, you know, in the right, exactly, Like, that would have right. been um, my... Re- that would have been the re- the reality of right. what it would have been. So when you were but, starving in New York... So when I was starving in New York, which was legitimate, like, I had to decide if I was going to take a subway 60 blocks or if I was going to get a bagel. Wow. Like, I couldn't do both. Yeah. And um and I was and I was working out of this theater company there that we did shows at midnight, you know? Yeah. Um, in a really dangerous neighborhood. Yeah. At the time now it's a very posh neighborhood, but you didn't go to Which, Avenue where B. Was it? <laughs> oh, I did. I lived. I lived on Stanton between B and C. Now but what now. year? <laughs> well actually that was when it was still kinda dangerous. That was like 2002 yeah this was 95 yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah. Was way more you know what i'm talking about now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay yeah, yeah, yeah. okay yeah. yeah um so uh so anyway long story short um i was not cutting it i wasn't cutting the mustard and yeah. my friend said do you want to um drive cross country with me i can get my parents van and we can drive across country and I had a head cold. I was sitting in Central Park, and it was like 150 million degrees, and I hated everything. We were watching a free concert, and I just realized if I rented out my room, I could probably use that money. Like if I rented it for like you know, hundred dollars, hundred dollars more, more could, that would yeah. be my food for yeah. a road trip, you know. Yeah. So that's what I did, and I ended up we ended up in Portland, Oregon, and I looked outside, and I went, I live here now, and wow. I. I ha- had a box. I had my roommate pack up my box in New York. Yeah. That's what I had. <laughs> I wow. sold the bed that I yeah. had um, uh, gotten, and um, and did I had my box shipped. And I did Shakespeare, and I did a whole bunch of theater. My rent was two hundred bucks a month. So since around then, or since it. New York, like what have have I mean? You probably haven't gotten close to the, that level of like Subway or Bagel, but what do you feel when you feel? I mean, do you okay, feel scared? Yeah, like the casual question. Sorry, do you feel your, like your question was so great? So I I think if you've ever legitimately feared like for your safety and your health, mm-hmm. um, it's traumatizing, and yeah. I don't think it ever really ever goes away completely because you you can imagine that feeling and you can see yourself back there. So. So much, and they're triggers, you know? right? That they, like, trigger the trauma. Of they it. are, and and you know, I mean, I I take a, I've I've taken a lot of jobs out of you know I don't ever want to be, um, f- you know, feel that broke. Conversely, I've you know, it took me forever to buy my home because 
I never wanted to be beholden to a mortgage where I would have to take jobs because I had a mortgage. So, so it was a, you know, I would skirt between the two. Like I wanted to have some artistic freedom and ability to have some autonomy and say like, I'm not beholden to um, these materialistic things so that I have to take these other jobs. At the same time, I'm like, of course I'm going to take these crappy jobs because I, I just want to always make sure I'm filling my coffers because I don't want to get to that point of scary ever again. Right. Um, and has it worked? I mean, it's worked. I mean, you've I think, been very successful. I you think so far, so far, you know, I mean, to, so you have TBD, been able but, to sort of buoyantly, like you've been, you've sort of buoyed. Is that a word? Is that the word? Toggled. Buoyed, buoyed, toggled. Sure. Mm-hmm. You've like sort of stayed in the safe like emotionally safe place you've mm-hmm. not gotten that scared so again. i've i had like um t- to answer your earlier question about have you ever is it ups and downs like i, I, I mean a- but here's but i just have to distinguish uh-huh. i don't believe that that le- that feeling of fear actually necessarily correlates with any circumstance like you know what i mean like you might have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in mm-hmm. a bank account right but your show's ending mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're gripped with a fear that yeah. like you may go broke again or never right. like all the money's gonna go away and you, yeah like it's not necessary like it's not necessarily rational yeah yeah it, that's true especially with trauma my husband like would, will love this portion of this <laughs> podcast because he's just like honey we're fine we're fine like, yeah. I, don't I don't know, know. <laughs> that's how see that's how i you bought feel. shoes yeah um and, uh, so, well, you know, and I, and I've, you know, had a, a nice little run here. So I've, I've, you know, have moments where I'm just like, I can, I, I'm going to buy this thing that I've always wanted cause I can. Yeah, and then yeah. I do. And I'm like, what was oh, I God. doing? That's gross. What was I thinking? But, um, so you judge, you judge yourself a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, I'm, I'm from frugal upbringing, too. Like, yeah. that's just how I was raised. Yeah. Um, my husband's a very, like, be here now kind of guy. Yeah. And so he's, like, so kind of drilling it out of me a little bit. So but, can we go back to talk about rejection? Oh, wait, wait one yeah. sec. I oh, wanted yeah, to address one thing about ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had, when I was do, doing commercials, I hit a really good run. I did, like, these Jimmy Dean sauces commercials. Wow. And I had, like six of them running at a time or, you know, and this is before everything went full. Not as good. Not as good. Yeah. Like streaming and we're only going to pay you. Yeah. yeah. This is where you got paid every single time. National network. And I was like making, you know, not to be uncouth, but like 50, $60,000, maybe like 70, maybe more that year. And I had this like, just went from, you know, Mm -hmm. my tax returns were like, nothing to like all of a sudden I was like I, I'm like a human being I'm I like, had that too with Flonase that was <laughs> Flonase. I did a Flonase <laughs> and yeah. um and I just felt like I was I felt like I might as well have been a millionaire you know yeah. and um and then I got audited because I had this real shady 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 tax guy uh, that I met because I was also a bartender so I was bartending a couple uh, nights a week and this guy who of course like sat at my bar in Brentwood I was like Brentwood very rich area yeah. this alcoholic knows what he's talking about yeah. he's offering Fuck. to do my taxes pro bono Oof. sort of saying like I think one day you're going to be making a lot of money and I'm going to get in now and I'm going to yeah. do him pro bono filed them completely wrong. Oh, I God. got audited for two years of my taxes. <sighs> you guys, I gave like all my money back essentially to the wow, United States. So I, I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't claim anything that I wasn't supposed to claim. Yeah. He just put it in the wrong schedule. Oh, no. And 
because of that, they were like, oh, you're in this other tax bracket, and now we're taking it all back. And I was, I like watched it all go away. And then I was real scared. I was really scared because I then had nothing. And I was spending as if I had Had that that money. money. And and then I got, um, then I got SNL. And I was like, oh, right. But here's the thing, SNL, like, you need a babysitting job if you're going to do SNL. I actually it's did not. They don't pay. They don't well, but pay also, it's your first job, so you don't have a quote yet. And you, not only that, nobody has a quote. Like, okay. you don't, even yeah. if I had the highest quote, everybody starts at like bottom, yeah. the bottom, bottom. Yeah. And it was okay because I was it moving was back now. to New York 15 yeah. years later with the dr- job of my dreams. Yeah. Um, I only did one season, came back. Now I'm unemployed. I can't really, I didn't feel like I could go from SNL to bartending Jimmy Dean again. commercials again. No, Jimmy Dean would have been fine. It was bartending. bartending. Yeah. I, I just felt like that was going to have a day job anymore. Too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, for the first time in my life, went on unemployment. And I went on this audition for this like medical show because I was like, all right, procedurals. That seems right. Yeah. Um, it was called Miami Medical. Um, this woman like got in a boat accident, got a hematoma, had a coma, died. It was insane. Um, everything that could have happened to her happened to her, and I was like, "This is the this is hilarious <laughs> show in the world." But I'm gonna earnestly go. Well, that's what happens to it. you in Miami when you have a medical <laughs> issue. When in Miami, yeah. so. Um, I, in my printer, I keep, um, I recycle paper. I don't even know what's in there. It's like takeout menus or whatever. So I, you know, print my audition sides on it and I go and I do the audition. And after every audition, I have the same little thing I do, which is I, at the time, now I do everything on my iPad, but I would ceremoniously take my sides and trash them right after I walk out of an audition. It's like, you still do. You still do. Oh, you carry your iPad into auditions now? If yeah, if I'm reading, I'll, oh, I'll bring an iPad in. Okay. Um, save paper. That's but anyway, great. I'm always saving paper, right? So I got my recycled yeah, yeah. stuff, and uh-huh. and I I smush it into the garbage can, and as my hand is leaving it, I see what was printed on the back that I had, you know, recycled paper that was in my printer, and it was my unemployment application <laughs> form. So like I'm holding up my sides like where I'm seeing oh, the words wow, that I need why. to see, but and on the back of it, that, seeing your unemployment <laughs> seeing application. My EDD application. <laughs> and did you feel shame? Yeah, I was yeah, like, like that really is embarrassed. embarrassing. And then, but this story doesn't end with you getting the Miami medical. I job. did get the job. Oh, you yeah. did. I did. Yeah. So it, were you even going to tell that part of the story? If you know, here we are. Well, because <laughs> then it becomes really like kind of metaphorical. Yeah. The whole, the whole yeah. sort of thing of it. Yeah. Like I, you showed them your secret and then you got that job. Right. Maybe they just know. took total pity on me. They were like, I mean, come on. Should, look, we this saw her unemployment sad. application. That so then you didn't, so then did you, well, you were on unemployment. So then you stopped it. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. You, have, you, have to do you go back and forth. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but, so, okay. So now, oh, we, oh yeah. Tell me. More. There's more. Yeah, tell me. Okay, great. The story has like, uh, actually I'm now that it's unfolding and this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. About doing all the things like how it's, you're becoming. Yeah. So my friend Damon from the groundlings, he's going through a breakup. He's depressed. I'm depressed. I'm on unemployment. And then I had, I had a week where I had a hematoma on a TV show, but that <laughs> <Yeah>. was it. <laughs> um, and like, I'm back buying my costumes at Goodwill after yeah. like this really 
high high adrenaline year on SNL, you know. know. And costumes um, for the groundlings. Oh Let's yeah, that. yeah. Because I'm still in the groundlings. Sorry. So um, I uh, so <laughs> we're sitting backstage and we're both kind of depressed, but going mm. out and making hahas. And he's like, "Do you want to write something together?" kind of have this idea about something and then I was like huh I mean fuck it what else am I doing and we got together and I realized like I had this sort of character that I would do the sort of fall from grace character that I would do who tries to she get she tries she quits in a flurry and tells everybody off and then can't and it's really a scene about an elevator because she can't leave like the elevator doors just won't shut so she's just (laughs) sitting there in her stench like after eviscerating everybody in the office and like the doors just won't they keep starting to close and then she flips them off and the doors pop open you know it's just like it's never ending so you think it's a story about a woman having a meltdown but it's really about these doors so we thought that would be a really good funny jumping off point for this lawyer blah 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 and we're like well write as a writing sample I mean we're not doing anything else Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll just do it and we were both very sad people, so we would sit around and talk about our feelings and put it all into the script, and then um, and then we sold it, and then it became a series on wow. USA, and we were... This is Benched. This is Benched. Again, I know this, because yes. I just looked up your thing. Cause yeah. We, yeah. This is Benched. <clears throat> but, like, I... We, I mean, I learned how to write... I learned how to write five-minute sketches. But I just want to say, so that was 2014... That was 2013. No, that was 2010 when we wrote. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it but it was a series later though. It became a series in 2014. Okay, got yeah. it. So 2000. It went through a lot of Okay, cases. but so but by the way, you're sitting backstage and sad at the mm-hmm. Groundlings like, yeah, I guess we'll write a script. Mm-hmm. Um that was only 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now you've been like the lead like you've like you've I mean, good run. I mean, you've had a really, really, really it was good a fun run. Yeah, it's been a good time. Yeah, and so you have experienced a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And so when you say um, these these formative experiences were your becoming, mm-hmm. like, have you become? That's I mean, I hope question. I'm. I hope I'm still becoming. I hope I. I don't want to have to learn hard lessons in the hard way that I that you do in your twenties and thirties. I hope the majority of like this. The, the like real hardship is behind me mm. you know we always hope that yeah. but um i could but i've learned a lot from that like i i i i don't you know i mean i've had like public embarrassment by not being asked back to snl you know i've had um i've seen enough people behave really badly it, it, to to see what happens when because everybody has this no asshole policy finally now you know yeah and and so like I I see I've seen people behave badly and, and then not get and and, and I know jobs. like I'm not going to do that yeah. I'm not going to go and belittle anybody or make anybody well you feel probably bad. never is that even in you I mean I'd like to think it's not but who knows how we come off I mean I'd love to think that I'm a goddamn I don't saint that's so but that's so <laughs> humble sure like, do you really so. think people are out there in the world being like God Michaela why I, I think sometimes when people are really stressed out and really like at SNL for example um uh everybody is so worried about themselves that it does sort of come off as like a little bit cranky cranky and selfish but they're not cranky selfish they're terrified for their yeah. demise you know i feel like that in all of hollywood though mm-hmm. i mean i feel like there's there's sort of a an epidemic mm-hmm. f- fear of fear yeah and, i mean because 
because from the top, I mean, this isn't really even what this show is about, so mm-hmm. I don't even want to go off on this for too long, mm-hmm. or even a second, really. <laughs> um, but since I started it, like, I just feel like everyone's really scared all the time because actually these networks are run by like AT and T, you know what I mean, and like these huge, huge corporations, and so yeah. Um, we're well, not- I got kind of lulled into thinking that now with all the streaming stuff that we are in this sort of creative safe space. I think that's now. more true, though. In reality, I don't think that, that you were lulled into believing sure, that. I think. But at the same time, like you look at, uh, let's just say, let's take a network like Hulu, which was making difficult people and casual and, you know, they went for pen 15, you know, yeah, really fun things. Um, but niche quiet small shows although Penn is doing quite well but now it, ABC has acquired them and now they're going full bore Marvel oh, big loud wow. noisy shows I didn't actually know that yeah that so little quiet but shows even like, more like than the than like the macro conversation of it mm-hmm. to me is like human to human everyone in this industry I feel like has at some point been fired oh, yeah. you know and and, or, and not seen and heard for mm-hmm. how smart or amazing they, recast they were or, yeah, yeah recast or like there's just mm-hmm. like there's we endure um, hard moments and but that's not specific to Hollywood mm-hmm. the only difference may be that in Hollywood it's very personal because it's certainly for actors I mean we are ourselves like this is we are marketing ourselves this is us you know? yeah um, whereas I guess in other industries you could look more at like okay well this is on paper what you've done and your numbers or whatever right um, yeah. but I don't know I just feel like there's trauma around where we get scared um, because Absolutely. we've had our feelings hurt and we feel out of control of our of our futures. Absolutely. And I think that's why I was, you know, sort of wanted to highlight those moments of when you feel really down. Yeah, so tell me more about that. So like so it sounds like SNL was the, probably a down moment after that. Yeah, I I guess I guess what I'm saying is I, the reason I'm I'm telling you these stories of like feeling really down and then doing something else is yeah. not is just merely to not be like and look at me it's to say um well a little bit it's to say like are you going to be the person who uh defines yourself by being you know um rejected after or are you going to be uh are you going to define yourself about what you're what you might what you're going to do like what you're going what what the potential of the next thing you're going to make because the truth is like benched only went one season and that was done right but i wasn't gonna you know i it's like hey Look, for every success there's good, like <laughs> nothing lasts forever you exactly. know i mean some people you're only get, gonna be as good as your like current little job you know right 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 and and so but then you string enough like starts and stops mm-hmm. you string enough like one year things that you or don't episode things. that you don't sweat it when something ends anymore right then That's you can exactly start to it. learn from experience and say well you know what i was fine when that didn't happen i was fine when that didn't happen yeah. i was fine when I'm, for you know like i was unemployed for that amount of time but wow i did get that job and then i got that other job so probably i'm probably cool yeah i feel like you just beautifully circled it all the way back around which is which is you you have enough of those mm-hmm. they don't feel and they don't present the same trauma and the same pain and the same everything that they did the first you know right. 10 times it starts right. to become a thing like you're saying now do you get this irrational feeling of oh no and i guess like you just reminded me that 
mm, you kind of start to go, well, no, this shit happened. Yeah, but also, you know. like, I have to say, and this is, like, something I'm really interested in talking to you about, like, this also requires some attention um, paid to your psycho-emotional, like, insides in your, your, your life. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to be, you have to have a consciousness. Mm-hmm. You have to have enough consciousness to say, I don't want to suffer like this anymore. Mm-hmm. To, to then figure out how to not suffer like that anymore. Yes. You know, like you, at some point you have to be like, oh, fuck, every time I don't get a job or something shitty happens, it's the end of my life. And you know what? I don't want it to be the end, feel like the end of my life anymore. So how am I going to do it differently next time? Right. And then you have to like take some steps, whether that's just like writing in a journal about it or sitting there meditating or like talking to a therapist or mm-hmm. a friend mm-hmm. even. Um, to not feel shitty like that anymore. Exactly. And there are a lot, and that's like so basic, but I think some people, um, it's easy to do this. Like we take for granted that like if something feels shit, really shitty Mm -hmm. and then you feel really shitty again, that just must be how that thing, when that thing happens, how it makes you feel Mm -hmm. when something like this happens, you feel shitty, Mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily true. Sometimes, that thing that happens makes you feel shitty once. And then the next time that thing happens, you might be like, I'm not going to feel shitty like that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that represents a lot of evolution. That's right. And so I'm interested in how you have evolved. Oh, okay, cool. Let's go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've done a lot of therapy. Okay, me too. Um, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I first started going because I was afraid of flying, still am, but what I got out of therapy was so much more than my fear of flying. Um, obviously that's about a sense of control and, um, and I understand what that is. I have not, um, overcome my fear of flying. I'm still working on that. That's how do you, what do you do when you fly? I take, you know, Xanax or I take night, night drugs and like you just pass the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like have to go to the place where I'm not on an airplane. Are you afraid that the plane is going to crash? Oh, sure. The, but that is the fear. Mm-hmm. That's okay. the fear. Yeah. It always comes down to death. Um, interestingly, we can talk about this if you want later, but, um, I took a death and dying class recently. Oh, I which definitely was... want to talk about this like right now. Where did you take a death and dying class? There's this woman, Olivia, who teaches it and it's really for people who are doing like, um, who are, this is relevant actually, people who want to do hospice. I'm going to take off my sweater oh, yeah. too. Okay, yeah, so yeah, it's going to yeah, get like, like it's going to sound squishy. Sorry, we got, well, we have started talking about death and dying. I have to take <laughs> off like, our sweaters. Yeah. We're going there. Um, she teaches it for people who want a, sort of a career in death dualism. So mm. helping people cross over, you know. I just people. want to clarify that word. You said doulaism. Doulaism, right? yeah. Right. Okay. You know, there's doulas who help and, people be born. Yeah. You know, uh, and then, then there's and this is something that you're interested in doing. I'm not. Oh, okay. My husband has taken all the courses because he's um, he's just a better man than all of us. But well, this <laughs> is a really, I mean, this is a really fucking intense and gorgeous thing to take yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm with you on that. And um, it is death is is scary for me. My husband, it's not scary for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and he always felt like the most profound moment was when his grandmother had died and he was sitting with the body and he was really um not into that at first and then it was 
the most beautiful half hour of his mm, life, you know, wow. just sitting with the body. And so he was always curious about it. And we went to this salon at someone's house where she came and spoke about about this topic. And I, my blood pressure was raising mm. and I was getting really anxious. And my husband, I could just see he was like, this woman is talking to me right now. Wow. So, um so he took all the courses. Do and you feel like he's? Do you think you're? This is the craziest fucking question. <laughs> I love I it, ask. and I Give almost hate me. myself for asking it because it feels mm-hmm. crude, actually, coming mm-hmm. or like vulgar in some way. But do you? <laughs> so do curious. you see your? Do you think your husband is enlightened? Like, um, do you feel like he's sort of an enlightened kind of being? I feel like he. There's certain aspects of him that are much, much, much more evolved. Like I always joke with him that he doesn't have to come back if he doesn't want to. You know? Yeah. Um, he's got a couple like little, you know, meaning, sorry, just to clarify that he's had a lot of lives. I feel like he's had a lot of lives. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's pretty unflappable. He's very even. His default is love. Mm -hmm. You know, when things are difficult, like he doesn't get snarky or snippy. Mm -hmm. He is constantly like, you know, finding the most grace, gracious and graceful way to communicate with other people. Right. Um, he's really genuine and very authentic and um, and real easy to be around, you know? I mean, I'm, the reason I'm asking that is just because I was listening to something or other, as I do, and, like, it, there was a, a thought that, um, that that is actually when you att- attain enlightenment is when mm-hmm. you, you completely lose any fear of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that that was interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely jealous of that. Yeah, because, but by the way, also, the fear of death is a sneaky one, because, like, I wouldn't say, like, probably, like, a year ago, someone said, hey, are you afraid of dying? I would have been like, nah, not really. Mm -hmm. But, like, in reality, I'm not afraid of, like, the moment my body goes somewhere else, but Mm -hmm. I am very afraid of, like, losing people, or, like, now that I have a kid, like, her losing her mom, or, like, yeah, abandoning, Mm -hmm. or, like, missing out on, like, someone's life. Mm -hmm. I mean, that... That terrifies me. And the more I love my life, the more yeah. I, I want to keep it as it is. So is yeah. that when you say you're afraid of dying, is that what you're afraid of too? Is the sort of the circumstances around yeah, it? Yeah, like even in this, you know, political time, like I just feel like what if we, you know, look at Berlin in 1937, look at Berlin in 1945, like the amount yeah. of loss and the amount of sorrow oh. and pain and trauma, you know, I just like, I don't ever want to endure that. Yeah. You know, so of course my brain can imagine and go, you know, it's, I'm at, we have a creative imaginative yeah. brains. Yeah. The same way I can imagine, you know, what happens on an airplane should something happen. I can imagine what happens in a society or in my life or in, you know, my interpersonal relationships if things were to be on my control, come off the rails. So, yeah. um, so, uh, I, 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 I realized, um, so this woman, Olivia, mm-hmm was teaching this sort of auxiliary class that had nothing to do with death dualism because she realized she was training all these people for this uh, career but not ever addressing their own relationship to death. Right. So she kind of had this sideways class that was optional, but she wanted people who were getting certified to take um, where you just basically spend a three days you know, going deep on your own feelings around death Amazing. to the degree that on the third day you rehearse it. You, I mean, full on wrap yourself in a shroud and go through wow. the paces of of dying and, and death. That? And 
for me, I just thought, well, I'm not going to make it to the third day. And <laughs> we did all these things leading up to it, a lot of meditations, a lot mm-hmm. of unpacking death, and, you know, in a group, speaking out loud, talking, doing ancestral stuff, mm-hmm. um, getting rid of um, any kind of brewing resentments and anger. I mean, there were people who had suffered unspeakable things in their childhood mm-hmm. um, and and this idea that when you leave, you know, you you have to forgive everybody. Mm-hmm. How do you forgive the guy who, you know, molested you yeah. when you were eight or beat you when you were nine or raped you when you were 12? Like, how do you, how do you say, peace out, man, good luck? And, you know, just watching the process with people who kind of coming to not terms of I forgive you, but I forgive myself in this now. Mm. And, and I, you know, not letting it go. That's such a, mm, that's know. such a, it's a really tricky, weird idea of letting yeah. it go. It's not yeah. letting it go. It's, I guess, acceptance. Yeah, a deeper kind of an acceptance of what it was. So because that's people, so interesting. I just have to pause there because this just occurred to me in this moment. Mm-hmm. When we say letting it go, mm-hmm. actually, what we mean is is like further digesting yeah is like the opposite of letting it go yeah it's actually like integrating it yes i think that's really interesting i've never thought of that before but letting it go can feel very like just bypassy like oh yeah i'm letting that go even though really when you're talking about that it it, it just you feel so angry right and people say oh just let it go like you just stop feeling the anger but actually you have to digest the anger yeah you have to feel it you have to go through it you have to fucking work work on it work uh-huh. with it right and then you can let that go meaning you can just kind of like it can go through you and out yeah but it doesn't just like fly away no and it's really disingenuous to yeah say, like you just gotta let it go let it go forgive yeah. oh god um, that's real easy for you know you yeah. to say so um Sorry. and you know there's a lot of pushback on that but but the people who have the hardest time kind of leaving, mm-hmm. dying, are the ones who are holding on mm. um, to an idea, to an anger, to a resentment, to an unfinished story. Mm-hmm. So I think when I say acceptance of what it was, I just mean integrating it as your story and finalizing that story so that that's the end of that story. Yeah. So that you get to die in your, in you, in you know, leaving. With all your sort of ends tied up, you know, right, right, um, right, right, and and it sounds really trite saying it now, but if you were going through it, you you know, with these meditations through these talks through this all this sharing, you would see that it's actually there. There's a avenue for that. Um, anyway, the point is, we get to the end of the three days. It's now time to rehearse the death. I'm somebody who is quite fearful yeah and i'm a little trepidatious but i'm are feeling are you crying i mean i imagine there's like lots there's of tears a lot of tears weekend. at this thing there's oh a lot of God. tears yeah you do some real i mean there it's i mean i want to cry right now just thinking about it, it. is so intense so and, intense but here's the thing so i was very honest about my fear around mm-hmm. it and how i thought well i'm an actor i can basically just cry and moan and do the you know and then we do but, the meditation not really go, go deep there. in yeah, think yeah. about my you know shopping list at the yeah, grocery yeah, exactly. store afterwards you can come kind of out and be in. like 
Yeah, that was crazy, Intense. guys. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, I really died there. Woo, yeah, we all died. Did you die? I died. Um, died. <laughs> <laughs> but I gave in because you're on this roller coaster now and you're, it's well, moving. Well, you gave in, though, to your credit or to whoever's credit because some divine part of you, some very wise part of you, mm-hmm. knew that this was something this that I was you shouldn't up for. phone in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it's what I was paying for is what I signed up for. It's yeah. what I took three days yeah. to do. Yeah, and sometimes in life we have that, right, where it's like we're doing something that we think we're like, ah, fuck it, I'm not really going to do this. But there's another part of us that's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you really... I'm putting you in this, yeah. I'm putting you in this situation. And then halfway through, you're like, fuck, what am I doing? Why am I here? And now I have to fucking rehearsal die. And yeah. then, but that other part of you knew that you had to go through that. It was the exact same sensations I had whenever I've done like any kind of hallucinogen. Yeah. See, we were you just, know? we were maybe going to talk about some plant medicine yeah. stuff. Which the maybe. same trepidatiousness, the same fear, um, but without any drugs in right, my body. And it's right. just such a reminder that you don't need drugs to get to the same no, place, you, you know? Don't. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it was that kind of fear of the unknown. Mm. And this woman, Olivia, in her soothing way, sort of talked us through this, through dying and then into death. And then, and I was so transported. I was so completely transported that when she brought us back, I hit, you know, we're just lying on our mats wrapped yeah. in a sheet. When I when we came back, I hit the ground with a thud. Wow. I suddenly, I went from expansiveness and part of a part of the particulate matter. Yeah. I mean, this thing, things that I've never really even conjured for myself before. This idea of being so expansive, one and free and euphoric i mean i don't even mean like oh i'm getting through it guys i mean euphoric yeah genuinely euphoric and when she said it's time to come back and sort of brought us out i suddenly was like my head was splitting Mm. splitting headache yeah my neck was so tight my shoulders my back how did i go from zero pain not just zero pain but feeling completely just free of pain and and any you kind got of fear out of your body, I got out of my body, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I was in my body, and my body hurt. Yeah, bodies have problems. Yeah, I was like, oh, I have to pee really yeah. bad. I, you know, all of a sudden, everything, and I just, and she's, and and I, and and we sat around in a circle and we shared, and it was like, you know, this is a death and dying class, but really, what my takeaway was. This was a class about living. Yes. This was a class about, for about three weeks, I had this glow because I would approach every single thing with, well, when I'm, now that I've seen myself lying in my deathbed, yeah. What? how am I going to feel about this moment? Am yeah. I going to be really that pissed that this guy just cut me off? Am yeah. I going to be pissed that, you know, I was um, getting, you know, whatever it is that, yeah. that annoys you and, and angers you. Yeah. Um, that, that. You know, my husband do do the dishes. Yeah, it was like, a consciousness shifter. That? Totally shifted your total consciousness. Right, and now I'm right back into the pettiness are you, of life. Are you? It yeah. happens, right? It totally. happens. It always happens. It does. But you can still dip your toe back into that consciousness mm-hmm. 
because you you were there. I was like there. it doesn't go anywhere. It would take work, but yeah, I, right. I can get back there. Right, right. So now maybe when whoever fucking or your husband doesn't do the dishes, is mm-hmm. all you just said. Yeah, like he, he, you know, you can you can if you quiet enough, you could probably yeah. again conjure the the image of you in your deathbed. Yeah, I'm like I love him. I don't. Like, all I care right. is that we have a nice life together. Right, but then what, what happens matter. is, like, we get triggered, right? We get reactive because our bodies do a thing yeah. that, that that is a thing that we could call, like, a feeling. You mm-hmm. get annoyed, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a thing that happens in your fucking body. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so then it's we lose our senses for a minute. Like, mm-hmm. we, we forget. Right. We just forget. And that, But then we're able to go... If we if we have the the space, uh-huh. if we can give ourselves quiet, like uh-huh. if our minds can come online enough to just be like, okay, pause for a second, mm-hmm. you might be able to like sniff out that moment of being on your deathbed. Exactly. And what's interesting, I wonder, is if you could actually live your whole life as though you're on your deathbed. I feel like my husband is a good example of that without doing that obviously but you know he is such an in the moment guy mm-hmm. um i learned so much from him and it irritates me at the same time too because i'm just like just be fucking mad yeah just be mad about this yeah. you know and he's like it's just not worth it and I'm right like, but he's not bypassing <laughs> like he he gets like i just you know it's just like with all Look, like I fancy myself a very spiritual person, mm-hmm. and like I think this podcast is really spiritual. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd like to think it is, but also like that word. My dad's an atheist, and mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, spiritual. It's like mm-hmm. it all gets sort of a bad rap. Right? I hate Sometimes. how spiritual. Like when people say I'm a spiritual person, is now somehow like take, a weird thing or a bad thing. Yeah, or like like, a, like oh. But oh, I think okay. partly like, why though, partly why it, it it's gotten a bad rap or that word has become a little loaded mm-hmm. is because so many people in my opinion use spirituality as a way to bypass feelings. Yeah. Like you can't just say, I mean you mm-hmm. can, people do it all the time. I'm over I'm letting mm-hmm. it go. I'm letting mm-hmm. it, I let it go. Mm-hmm. I just let it go. I forgave. I forgave. And you see they're they're like seething. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't there's nothing wrong with seething. Right. We also feel angry. And I also feel like I'm letting it go. I'm I just feels like a whiff of religious guilt yeah it, it, it like you're not feel supposed to feel spiritual. it feels like still like you're you've combined spiritual like your desire to believe that there's something greater that's not an angry god in the sky right but you're still holding on to the shame of having a bad feeling right that's yeah. exactly it and there are feelings there are no such thing as bad feelings <laughs> i'm gonna quote myself <laughs> There's no such thing as a bad feeling. And you're right. Like, we're taught by whoever. Mm-hmm. The Bible, if that was your thing, or your parents, or a teacher, or a friend, that there are feelings that are bad feelings. Like, hate gets a really bad rap. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, people saying, like, no, you don't hate that person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... I want to teach my daughter that she's allowed to hate. I do hate that person sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate people sometimes. I know. We always have to preface things with, I don't hate anybody, but I really hate Donald yeah, Trump. Yeah, but like, and right. Like, but no, you can I, fucking hate Donald, I hate Trump. Donald Trump. I mean, of all hate, the people to I hate. I hate Pence. Yeah. And I hate Mitch McConnell. Like, I just and hate And that them. doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. You hate those people. You and maybe hate. I could even understand them and still hate them. Yeah, absolutely. I can, and, and by the way, maybe, mm-hmm. and I mean, to get really challenging, <laughs> like maybe for a split second... 
maybe on a weird day mm -hmm. when some weird news story happens, you like him for half a second. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I kind of, I kind of like him, yeah. but you still fucking hate him too. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, mm -hmm. We, we are all the things. We mm -hmm. are all the feelings. I can feel sorry for him, sure. and then hate him. Before know? we can, do you have to go? It's I just want to respect your time. Oh, thank you. Okay, we might go a little bit longer, but I'm, yeah. we're, we're gonna I'm, try and keep I, it. It feels like it's been five minutes. Honestly. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna, we're, but I'm gonna, I am gonna wrap this up at some point in the very near future. Um. I feel I feel silly that we spent all that time talking about cruise shit when no, because really, here's what happens is like because you and I haven't met before mm -hmm. and so like the career shit is like a way to like get in, mm -hmm. but like the the real th the problem is this podcast is called Acting Real. I was with about Kat to Foster, say you really so there's this <laughs> acting in the title, but really I have no interest in talking about acting whatsoever, except for that the reason that this podcast exists is mm -hmm. because I actually think that acting is a very spiritual undertaking yeah. because it's and I say this at some point somewhere in something but like it's it's a paradox mm -hmm. like we're actors have to become really familiar with paradox mm -hmm. because we're pretending to be real we're manufacturing truth and this is like a very paradoxical thing that we have to do so it's like a sort of uncomfortable and mm -hmm. i think but also very expansive so in my experience great actors are are you know going to like fucking death workshops and shit well <laughs> i mean i've i've i wrote a whole um, talk about how if you follow the rules of improv, you could lead uh, oh, just a very spiritual life. Absolutely. So really please talk about that because we've had, I mean, we had Mo Collins on, mm -hmm. um, who's an incredible, her. yeah. yeah. Um, but we really haven't had, I mean, Luca Jones, we had. Oh, you had Luca? We had Luca. He's my neighbor. Love I love Luca. Him. Yeah. yeah. Um, He'll but, go there. But we did, yeah, but, he, but he's like a brainiac philosopher, dude. Uh -huh. But we haven't yet had anyone talk about the spirituality of improv. And by the way, I have dabbled in improvisation <laughs> um i wouldn't call myself like an improviser by any means but i think that i mean you're on stage uh -huh. and you have no idea what's going to happen like literally no no idea but just the rules alone um say yes yeah um uh and like mm -hmm. yes Bring and it. add to it um so you're not just following you're bringing yourself to something mm -hmm. um you have each other's backs you um have to listen yeah <laughs> listening is the most important yeah. aspect yeah um keep your partner safe take mm. care of each other mm. i mean it's it's ridiculous but like to be it, in a space where you are making an amazing scene that uh -huh. also happens to be funny and also uh -huh. sometimes feel you can feel things funny is like third and dairy exactly totally but yeah. like let's say like to actually like from literal nothingness mm -hmm. create with another person without talking about it beforehand mm -hmm. uh, a place like a the, story a, who, what, a backstory like to create all that stuff literally out of thin air and it means that you if you if there's an if there's an uh if there's an impulse mm -hmm. and it goes un unchecked yeah. or uh unnoticed or if somebody doesn't pounce on it mm. you've really missed a wonderful opportunity you also accept that um mistakes are actually you know accidents can actually be used to your benefit right so like when something doesn't work it, you know if somebody calls you by the wrong name it's an opportunity to when you correct them you get to say well actually i have many names you know and that's yeah. usually it ends up being very funny because you're acknowledging what what is happening and so, like you were saying, there are no bad feelings. It's in improv, like if somebody, if something happens where your character is like suddenly mad, mm -hmm. 
you have to go with that because it otherwise you're just spinning your wheels on stage and the scene isn't going anywhere. Right. Like it's it's like a check. Like it's mm-hmm. like if the scene starts to suck, it's mm-hmm. because one of you has been not present yeah. or not accepted something that has been said or not offered something yeah. in a full way. I've done I do this um show with Jason Manzukis mm-hmm. um where it's just two I people on stage. On oh, he would be wonderful. Okay, great. Um I don't know how how you know Whatever. what she's we'll going to talk, talk about, about spirituality sure, on the sure, show, but because sure. uh, he's 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 really uh, the truth is he's like one of the most uh, uh, you know upfront like to the point guys, yeah. and um, I love him so much, and he's really one of my favorite improvisers. And we did a show, we did this show. I've, I've joined him a few times where it's just the two of us on stage for an hour. You don't enter exit. Um, you're or you as different people. You never go forward in time or backward in time. Yeah. It's basically like a one act play. Yeah. And when the first time I did it, I said, "Remind me of how it works." And he said all those things. You don't, you know, go forward and backwards, etc. You just play yourself the whole time. He said, "What's going to happen is, at one point, you're going to feel like we've been on stage for a really long time. You're going to run out of ideas. You're going to have nothing more to add. Um, and you're." going to look at the clock and see that it's been 15 minutes and the show's an hour yeah and he said and you're going to want to die and he, he said and when that happens go deeper and i said okay and we do we go out there we yeah. do the show it's going like gangbusters i mean i'm thinking because i'm in such good hands with him i'm yeah. thinking this is the best show of my entire life yeah and it's going great and i'm like well we should probably wrap it up now i yeah. look at the clock 15 minutes have gone by 15 and i wanted to die i wanted to die i wanted to drill a hole in the stage go into it pour cement over myself and just close the hole because you were like because you thought maybe this was gonna all crash and burn it was gonna crash and burn i had nothing there was nothing spinning out of me and i turned to him and i said are you lonely on the stage this is happening yeah because i remember him saying Go deeper. Yeah. So I just was like, nothing. Yes. all I can ask him is, are you lonely? Yeah. And he looks at me and he goes, am I lonely? And I go, yeah. Are you lonely? And he goes, you're asking me if I'm lonely? And I was just like, oh God. and just like that, I ruined his show. Yeah, yeah. Like he had me on for the first time and yeah. he'll never have me back. And this, yeah. I've just ruined improv for all these people. young people at the UCB audience <laughs> who are here to be inspired. They yeah. will all go home yeah. and cross off improv on their to-do list. Yeah. Like I have ruined it for everybody yeah. and especially my hero, Jason. Yeah. And he goes, you're asking me if I'm lonely and I, and I'm just about to cry. That's why I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm lonely. And he goes, well, and then he, for seven minutes straight, tells the story about that I happen to know is actually true, but tells the story about when he had a cold and he listened to all the Harry Potter books like on tape and goes on this whole thing and comments on the Harry Potter, you know, on, on, on having a cold on all those things, just this monologue. And at the end of it, he goes, so you ask me, am I lonely? Yeah. I'm pretty fucking lonely. And the audience goes crazy. Yeah, I go crazy. I'm just like, 
Oh my, and then we're off and we, and we finish the show. We do another 45 minutes. I mean, wow. or whatever, half hour. Wow. It was, I just was like, I just witnessed the most amazing Genius. thing, which was yeah. he went deeper. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What? Um, and that's a metaphor for life, right? Yeah. I mean, and by the way, to go full circle, mm-hmm. like that's what you were talking about too earlier is that when you run out of ideas and you think everything's like the end Mm -hmm. everything is the end like that's probably when you're about to do something really good yes yes and so it's the same sort of that's where your best stuff lives so is deeper deeper and so in those moments and and it's so counterintuitive Uh because what we want to do when we feel like we run out of ideas and everything's shit and like nothing's ever going to happen again and like we're on our last Mm -hmm. like try we failed or whatever Mm -hmm. we want to go okay i'm gonna like do all of the things that on the outside make it look like I'm going to get successful, right? right? Like whatever that is. Like yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to get really fit yeah. and um, I'm going to, I'm going to like, uh, I'm going to do these things like, I don't know, that set me up for success in right. some way. Like right. I'm going to, um, I don't know what, have some meetings or like you yeah. take some actions, you do some things in the outside mm-hmm. world, none of which are bad things to do by the mm-hmm. way. But w- w- what is also being asked of us and when I say that, I'm not going to specify who's doing the asking, but let's say mm-hmm. we're asking ourselves or the world is asking us or God is asking us or like whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. what's being asked of us really is to go inside, mm-hmm. not to focus so much on like, okay, so to to go to the next part of my life, mm-hmm. to like get out of this place where I think I might die and mm-hmm. nothing is ever going to happen again, I'm going to do all these things. What's actually asked of us is that we be- become. Yeah. And the and the and the God's honest truth is, and what I think I started talking about, how I have no sadness or regrets. I only have gratitude for all the shittiness that came before. Mm-hmm. Was because was because I wouldn't have gotten to the next thing if I hadn't done that thing before it. Right. And every time you come out of some kind of hardship, mm-hmm. you're like, you realize, oh, I had. It's not just like that. It's a good thing I did it. I had to. Right. I had to. Yeah. And so for me, what's emerged as I like have aged, you know, which I have, which because we all do, mm-hmm. um, is that I've developed um, a, more patience mm-hmm. because I'm kind of like, oh, I understand that probably this phase, because that's what it is, because mm-hmm. all the phases have been phases, mm-hmm. this phase is going to come to a, a close and something else will emerge. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't need to rush out of this phase prematurely because I mm-hmm. can't even if I really want to. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to give this phase the dignity of its finishing. Mm-hmm. This too shall pass, but yeah. first you have to honor it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's what you've gained through your therapy and Mm -hmm. your death classes and your hallucinogens. Mm -hmm. And right. You've your conscious consciousness has shifted enough to say, I I don't actually it's funny. I don't attribute hallucinogens to anything like that. I haven't. First of all, I haven't done enough. Okay, because let's just like, but hold on. I just want to like out you for a second. Like, so I saw you before Uh I knew you. Uh Um, I saw you at an ayahuasca ceremony Mm -hmm. Um, and I did ayahuasca. I, I drank ayahuasca three mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. Um, and I found it terrifying mm-hmm. and also revelatory. And, you know, I had a 
I had a seer once say that I would only do it three times and sure enough, like mm-hmm. three times has felt mm-hmm. enough for me. Um, do you, did, did it, it was not, that was not revelatory for I you? I had a, like a diminishing returns on that. Got like I, the first time I did it was, I never wanted to do it. I okay. never, ever, ever, ever wanted to do it. And then I, all of a sudden was taking a shower one day. I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's just like clear as a bell. Yeah. And I went into it and I just started dating my husband and I was like, am I going to, um, is like, I went in with the intention, like, is Fred the man for me? You know? And I was like ready to tuck in for six hours of like really unpacking the Fredness of my life. And in about three seconds in, like the plant said back to me like, yep. And then I was like, okay, (laughs) I got six more hours here. (laughs) What am I going to do? So then I just went on a ride and it was fun and it was amazing and I had did no research on it so yeah. I, I don't I didn't look for symbolism in anything yeah. it was just a ride um, I did it a second time and I was really trying to control it because I wanted to have the same experience as I did the first time uh-huh. and then I just ended up being annoyed you know mm. and even a little paranoid mm. um, and then the third time it was just, I was simply, I, I didn't like the sounds that other people around me were making. Mm. I um, I didn't, so when you did it, I mm. was what was called angeling, which yeah. was, I, I understand and I respect that a lot of people get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be in service mm-hmm. and help people feel, I, I wanted to do for people what I would want for myself. Was yeah. I, I want people, I'd want to feel safe. Yeah. And I want to feel like I was in a safe environment and that somebody was manning the store and yeah. that somebody who wasn't on drugs yeah. <laughs> was going to help me to the bathroom if I needed to go stand up and I was wobbly on my feet for some reason. Um, or if I needed water or hold a bag if you need to purge or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I'm happy to, to be of service in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I'm done and I don't need to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just not for me. Yeah. I, I, like I said earlier in the pod, I, I feel like I, you can, any sensation I felt when I drank that medicine, mm-hmm. I feel like you can get to without. I, Yeah. I got to say, I I completely agree. Yep. Um, Yeah, there's, you know, by the way, I mean, there's things that shift in our consciousness, like, all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have a baby, that's a consciousness shifter. Totally. Um, You you have a death in Mm -hmm. your family, that's a consciousness shifter. Mm -hmm. Things that reframe the way that you see things. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's what drugs, these drugs do for you. Mm -hmm. And I, I know a lot of people would be very mad that I called ayahuasca drug because it's a medicine or mm-hmm. you know and it's a plant healer mm-hmm. and it's all of those things and and I and I, I actually call medicine drugs too you know? yeah <laughs> totally um and, but I and I have respect for how sacred those experiences can be mm-hmm. and how sacred that plant is and like all of that I I do I I, yeah. I full respect for it it's one yeah. of the few plants that will take you to the mountain but bring you back <laughs> yeah totally like you're not gonna walk around an addict or totally something. Yeah. but but also like life takes us to the mountain mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean totally and I, but but not everybody has your ability to to um, get quiet with themselves and transcend themselves. I like think that. everybody can so, though. I mean, that's like the the point. Or they need a lot of help, you know. Yeah, but we all need a lot of help. I think mm-hmm. that like some people. I think here's the thing. I think we're not taught mm-hmm. that getting quiet 
and ex- expanding, mm-hmm. that going deeper, mm-hmm. we're not taught that that's of any value mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And But actors are because mm-hmm. it's like kind of our jobs. I know we start doing it when we feel very uncomfortable with it. Yes. In front of other people, very young yes. Yeah. Yes. And we've taken classes that have taught us how to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. we have like, quote, you know, technique. We like have learned to breathe in the ways that help us do that. And we've learned to like exercise our bodies in the ways that. Mm-hmm. But like, I think if the world could do that more, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'd it'd be a happier world. I'm with you. Not that happiness is the goal, but certainly it would be a more peaceful world. I would imagine. Yeah, I think people would just be more um, aware of what they were feeling and why they were reacting certain ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you think you're gonna die, mm-hmm. go deeper. <laughs> I feel like that's the motto. That's the end. It that's is. the end of it. It really is. I mean, but that really is like I think that that's I don't know that like I really finished that thought, but I I do feel like we want to go do things on the outside, but actually we just need to dig in. Mm-hmm. Like what's really happening? And mm-hmm. and these are the skills that we can can hone. Mm-hmm. We can figure out how what we need personally to mm-hmm. do that deep digging right which feels very irrational mm-hmm. because it seems like you want to like have the things that people have who are seem happier than you mm-hmm. but actually like the way that you go to where to what is authentic to you the way that mm-hmm. you actually don't want to die anymore is by transcending whatever problem you're in yeah I, I mean i had a friend who was suicidal and i just she wrote a play about it and I directed mm. it. It was called How to Not Kill Yourself for 30 Days. Oh, so good. And he started, she's wonderful. And, um, and it's really funny, by the way. Mm, i sure. Um, but uh, uh, one of the things that I would keep saying to her at that during that time in her life was, you know, you get this one chance to be mm. anti-certic. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. You're mm-hmm. anti-certic right now. And, mm-hmm. and the, you know, if she had to get really quiet with herself, there's nobody else she would rather be yeah you know um and do you feel like that about you fuck yeah yeah right yeah spin this with me and then we really <laughs> will, will end spin this with me i'm like obsessed with this alan watts quote recently uh waking up to who you are requires letting go of who you imagine yourself to be mm-hmm. do you feel like you are who you are I mean, six, have you woken up to who 62% you are? Sixty-two percent of the time. Sure, okay. I'm constantly asking that question. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I'm just like realize the hubris of thinking that I knew that I thought I knew who I was, you yeah. know, or I miss like, remember that time where you just felt like you really knew who you are? I don't feel like I know who I am right now. Yeah, you know, it's it ebbs and it flows. You have moments where you feel so you the most you you could be. Yeah, and other moments where you're reflecting on that, but that's not who you are in that moment. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you, def- if you define your most you as how other people see you, you know, oh, yeah. that's not going to work. If you define yourself as yourself merely looking out, um, I, I think then you're, you're, you're forgetting like a huge part of what you're, um, projecting out you know because you're you're just seeing things from your you know that's when i think people do behave badly is because they think like well i'm insignificant i'm surely i'm not going to affect somebody's day i can be an asshole because i'm so insignificant it's not going to matter exactly um and it's like no it does matter you have impact oh yeah so i think 
I think, you know, we're constantly trying Spinning to that. balance that. Yeah. There's not like a one w- we're waking up every single day. But that's like the fun of that's living. life. That's yeah. literally what we're doing here. It is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. This is really nice. It conversation. really was. I love that. <laughs> thank you. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at I am Kat Foster and reach out to us using the hashtag ActingRealPod. For links and recommendations from this week's episode, visit ActingRealPodcast.com. Episodes go up on Mondays. Subscribe to the show and rate and review us. It would mean so, so much to us if you did. This podcast is produced by Hanami Sutton and Chris Mako with technical assistance by David O'Hara and music by Sean Hokinson. We love you guys. We really, really do. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.